All right, everybody. Thank you once again for joining tonight. Tonight we are beginning the Torah portions all over again, and we're starting in the book of Genesis. Uh, the, the word Genesis in Hebrew is Bereshit, and we're going to start from the very first Torah portion in the book of Bereshit, which is called Bereshit, the first, the first Torah portion. So I'm just really excited to have you here tonight. We have started a new series called Let There Be Light. Today is Thursday, September 30th, and we're beginning this teaching at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And I want to invite you to come experience the book of Genesis through the lens of connection with God. And the Lord is calling you to connect with him in a deep and meaningful way and through the light. And, you know, the, the book, the Bible is so important to our lives. It's relevant to our destiny. It's relevant to our creation. And there's so much that God wants to do with each and every one of you. And I just pray that tonight the Spirit of God is going to minister to each and every one of you by reason of his glory today. And this is part one in the series. There are 12 Torah portions, or as we say, Parsha. There are 12 Parshiot in the book of Genesis. And tonight we will begin in the very first Torah portion of the book of Genesis. And it's such a blessing to be with you all today. And I just thank the Lord for each and every one of you. And I, pr and I, I do pray the Lord's gonna touch you all so mightily today. And uh, um, as as you are joining here tonight, I do invite you to, to like my page, to like this post. And, and 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 really just to make comments and, and interact with me during this teaching this evening. And also, I want to let you know there are many ways that you can connect with us. And just before we get started here, I, I do invite you to subscribe, to share, to like um, all the different social media platforms that I use. Um, you can go to destinfatora.com. That's where I post my, my blogs. You can connect with us on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash C slash you can also go to Instagram and go to my Destin Fatora page. And also right here on Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, which is facebook.com slash Destin Fatora 2. And you can like and comment and post here as well. And, and for those of you that enjoy listening on through podcast, you can go to anchor.fm and you can, you can connect with us through your favorite podcast platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and many, many others. I'm just so excited that there are so many different ways that we can share God's word with you. And I just pray that you'd be so blessed tonight. And for those of you that are inter interested in my books, my books are available on, on, on Amazon. Easiest way to get there is just go to uh, destinfatora.com and then scroll down, down that homepage and you'll see how you can get my three books, which again are available uh, through Amazon. So again, I want to thank you all for joining today. I see many familiar, na familiar names um, scrolling across my screen here, and I just want to welcome you all tonight. I'm just so excited to have you here with me, and I just pray that God is going to richly bless you this evening. So let's go ahead, and go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for gathering us here this evening. And Lord, I just pray that Holy Spirit, you will be our teacher tonight. I pray that I will not be heard. I pray that man will not be heard, but I pray that the name of Jesus will be lifted up today. And I pray, Father God, that through this word tonight, that as the word is going forth, that healing will break out, deliverances will break out, emotional healing will break out, salvations will take place. And I just pray that there'll be such a move of your spirit on the line tonight. And I pray that your word will be followed with signs and wonders. I just thank you, Lord God, for everyone that's here. I pray for all the children and grandchildren represented here. I lift, I lift up JD, Kavia, um, and and all, all the children, uh, um, um, Mela, uh, Balin, and all the others tonight. I, Lord, I just pray that there'll be such a move 
of your spirit here. And I just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. I thank you, Lord God, for all that you're going to do here tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. And again, I just want to welcome you all tonight. Thank you all for joining us this evening. And tonight the teaching is entitled, Let There Be Light. And this is the first teaching in this 12-part series in the book of Genesis. And as I'm teaching you, you may hear, hear me repeat words over and over again. And I do that to help you to, to memorize concepts. And, and, and my perspective, the lens through which I teach God's word is through is through the eyes of Jesus and through all the teachings through the Torah portions through the New Testament is to really lift up and magnify the name of Jesus. And tonight again the teaching is called Let There Be Light. And much of tonight's teaching will be taken from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and it reads in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the King James Bible, I believe it says in the, in, the, in, the, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And one thing that's very interesting about the RSV translation, the one I'm using here this evening, it says, in the beginning, God created the, the heavens and the earth. You notice that the word heaven is in the plural and the word earth is in the singular. And we're going to talk about that as well tonight because there's nothing in scripture that's there accidentally. Everything is in, in, put in this manner by divine purpose. And for all the students that are watching tonight from Next Dimension Bible University, um, you, will, you will receive extra credit for joining me tonight. And I'm just so grateful that Dr. Stephanie um, uh, uh, um, invited you all this evening. So at the end of the service this evening, in the next 45, 50 minutes or so, you'll receive a secret code from me, which you can use to apply it towards your, your extra credit. So uh, I just want to share that with you. And, and, and let's everyone, let, let's welcome all the students from Next Dimension Bible University. I and mean, we're just so happy to have you here tonight. And I just thank God for every one of you. And I pray that God's going to bless all of you tonight. So let's, let's give them, uh, let's, let's all give them all a shout out. Amen. And so um, just to give you a couple of definitions here, uh, I told you earlier there are 12 Torah portions in the book of Genesis. The word portion in Hebrew is the word parsha. So every week the Jews will, stu will study a different Torah portion. And the Hebrew word for portion is parsha. And sometimes you may hear me say the word parshiot. And the word parshiot is Hebrew. It's plural for the word parsha. And it literally translates into English as portions. So this week we are studying the Torah portion of Bereshit. Bereshit is the very first Torah portion in the book of Genesis, and it consists of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. And then next week we're going to get into the study of, of Noah, and that will begin the second Torah portion in the book of Genesis. So we are in Parsha Bereshit. Bereshit means beginning. It's pronounced Bereshit or Bereshit. There, there are different ways to, to, to pronounce it. And we are in we are in the study of creation. Bereshit means beginning. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 again. And it reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, why, and the question that I would like to ask you is, what is the reason for the creation? And if you have any thoughts, any opinions, I encourage you to go ahead and just type it in the chat, right in the chat window here, and to to share your your, your opinions with us. And it's it's just it's just so exciting, and I really look forward to hearing your comments and the interaction. And we learn so much from from one another. And I'm telling you, I learn I learn more from 
studying with other folks than I do in my own personal study. So I just encourage all of you to share this evening. And don't don't worry if you get the, give the wrong answer. We are all he here to learn together. Amen. So again, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the question we're going to address first is, what is the reason for the creation? Well, the first reason I'm going to give you is, is, a, is a reason that you may not like. And the first reason is God created the world for the sake of testing people's faith. And can I hear an amen to that? I mean, that 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 is the re that is one of the reasons why God created the heavens and the earth is for the is for the sake of testing people's faith. You know, without this creation of the world, and and without this separation, without this without this existence, there's no way we could be tested. So one reason for the creation is that we may be tested and that we may grow in our faith in God. Amen. So uh, when when we when we go to heaven, we will not need to be tested for our faith because everything will be apparent that there'll be no reason for the testing but the reason why we are in this world is to grow in our faith to discover our faith to grow in our faith and to be tested in our faith and i'm going to ask you a question how many of you have been tested during this year plus season of the covid 19 pandemic i believe every one of you has been tested and is continuing to be tested so that's the first reason i want to share with you and Let's talk about the tool uh, about the Torah as the tool of God's art, artistic abilities. For example, an architect builds when an architect designs a palace. He doesn't do it on his own. He has he he, he has he, he consults with people. That there are many different folks that he that the architect will will, will consult consult with and consult with the, with the client and determine how the house is to be built, how it's to be designed, how many rooms it's going to have, what's the square footage, and what are the dimensions of the entire structure. And 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 the architect will consult you know many different uh, specialists, civil engineers, structural engineers, uh, soil samplers will consult with many different specialists before the architect will put a design together. And I want you to see God as the as, as the one who is the architect of all creation. And how did God create the heavens and the earth? How did God design and create each and every one of us? And the way God did it was that he cons He looked into the Torah. He looked into the Word of God. He looked into the Bible, and he created the world. The Midrash Rabbah says he looked into the Torah and created the world. So the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, is the blueprint that God used for the entire creation. God looked into the Torah and created the world. And just as man, you and I, look into the Torah, we look into God's Word, and, and to sustain the world. And, and if God looked into his word to create all that exists, shouldn't we also be looking into God's word to learn how we should live as well? Because the blueprint to your design, to your creation, to your purpose in the, in the world, to your purpose in every, to everything in life is found in God's word. And where do we look? We look into God's word and God is the author and the finisher of our faith. So, uh, so, the Torah literally means instruction, 
depending within the context that you use it, it can refer to the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first book of the Bible is Genesis. In Hebrew, it's called Bereshit. Um, and in, in, in terms of the first book, Bereshit and Genesis have the same meaning. Genesis is the Greek word, and Bereshit is the Hebrew word for the word beginning. And before God created, he looked into the Torah. He looked into his word and he created. And, and the world, is the world, the entire creation is sustained by his word. And we find our calling in God through his holy Torah. So that's the first thing I want to share with you. Actually, the second thing I want to share with you. The first thing is that God created the world in order to test our faith. The second thing I want to share with you is that God is the master contractor. He's the architect, and he looked into the word before he created. The, ne the next concept I want to share with you is, is what I call the two first. Can you say that with me? Two first. And the, the Torah's first word in, is the word Bereshit. So in English, our Bible begins usually begins with, depending on the translation you, you use, but most likely it will begin with in the beginning. In Hebrew, the very first word is the word Bereshit. And Bereshit, is, uh, of course, it means the beginning, but it's also an, an acronym for the words Bet Reshit. Two words, the word Bet, spelled, I'm spelling it B-E-I-T, and the second word Reshit, which means, which is spelled R-E-I-S-H-I-T. And the acronym for Bereshit is Bet Reshit, and Bet Reshit means to first. So what we learn here is that there were two firsts that were introduced in the creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So the question we should ask is, what are the two firsts that took place in the creation? And it's because the world was created for the sake of two things. And the first thing is Rashid, the first. And the reason why the worlds were created, you know, earlier I shared it was to test our faith, but the, what I want to share here are two different firsts. And the first Rishi, the first first, is that it was created for the sake of God's word. As we read in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. So the very first first, the reason for the creation, according to this interpretation, is that the reason why the creation was created, why the creation came into into existence was the sake of God's word. So God created for the sake of his word. So that's the first reason. And we're gonna get into that in, in a little while and, and as, as we become more concrete in the teaching, but the, for the reason for the creation was for the sake of the Torah, for the sake of his word. The second reason is for the sake of his people, for the people of Israel most specifically. Jeremiah two verse three reads, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase, all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come up, come upon them, saith the Lord. So the second first is that God created the creation for the sake of his people, for the sake of Israel. And of course, you know, it, it, Israel, the Jewish people, are his chosen people. And we, which are most of us here in the line here, are, are Gentile believers. And when we became Christians, we were grafted into the vine. So we have salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the, the two first, again, is from the word Bereshit, which is the very first Torah portion. 
and the and the first word of the Bible, Bereshit, and is an acronym for the words Bet and Reshit, the two first, and the first first is the first, which is the Torah, and the second first is for the people of Israel. And so that's what I want to share with you there. And let's come to the next part of this teaching is the finished work. Can you say that with me? The finished work. And that's the goal that all of us should really strive toward is to be is to do the finished work. I mean, how many of you like to finish any job half done? You know, uh, you know, most actually almost all of us would like to accomplish and complete anything, any assignment that's given to us. We know we we don't want to move into a half finished house. We don't want to half finish any project. We don't want to half finish our business, but we, we want to finish everything that God gives to us. So let's talk about the finished work. And now I'm going to describe God as a general contractor. And let's talk about what the definition of a general contractor is. And I want you to think about a time in your life. I mean, if, if, if any of you um, uh, own a house or maybe you've, you, you've, you've done work where you've hired different folks to, to do work around, around what where you live, I remember in, in our in our previous home that we hired a general contractor to do some work in the house, some remodeling in the house, uh, remodeling the bath in, in the bathrooms, and some and some additional work in the house, knocking out a wall, building, a, making one room larger. And often, what you'll do there is you'll hire a general contractor, but the general contractor will sub out much of the work to other specialists to perform different parts of the project. You'll will bring in an electrician to do to do some rewiring. Uh, he or she will bring in a painter to do to to do the painting. Will bring uh, the contract will also bring in a, a carpet installer to install carpet. Another person to do tile. But the general contractor will have an overall understanding of the entire project, understand what your needs are, and will bring in every single skill set needed to perform that job, including supplying the material, the labor, the equipment, the tools to do the work and, and, and the scheduling. And, and those are, I mean, there's so much that goes on into a project uh, in, in, in any kind of construction and even more so with a reconstruction. And so, and the general contractor is responsible for the quality of the, all the work performed and, all, and also responsible for supervising the work of all the subcontractors, including getting building permits and, 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 and the list goes on and on and on and the drawings. And of course, everything's going to require your, your approval. So that's how we see a general contractor. But now I want you to see God as the general contractor. And, and God, I mean, God has planned everything out. God knew the cost for the creation. God knew every single detail. God also knew that man had the tendency and, and was very likely to fall into sin. So God, God, God also made a, a plan for that as well. I mean, there was a backup plan for everything. And God knew exactly who, what was going to take place. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly, he knows everything through, through, you know, through his omniscience he knows every he knows everything and so he planned he planned for every single contingency so he knew man would sin so he already planned that he would send his son the word christ jesus into, into the world to become the sin offering to become the to, and he was the spotless lamb of god before, before the creation of the heavens and the earth he also knew that man if man sinned and of course he he would sin that when, when man and, and woman would sin that they would need a way to, to, to be repaired. 
So what did God do? He created repentance even before the creation of the world. So he gave us the gift of repentance so that we could quickly turn away from our sins. We could we could confess our sins and, and, and turn away from our sins, and he would forgive us. So he gave us the gift of repentance. See, this was all planned out before the creation because he planned for every single possible outcome. He knew every single contingency. I mean, and that's what a great general contractor will do in the natural is that they'll plan for things that can go wrong along the way. For example, if um, supplier A cannot perform, they'll have supplier B, C, D, and so on already in the back, in, in his or her back pocket to supply in case other people fail. And God, in our case, in the case of creation, God planned for every single contingency. And the greatest gift God has given us is the gift of repentance. You know, I talk about repentance in great detail in my book called Man in the Mirror. And and that book can also be found on, on, on Amazon or, or just go to destinfatora.com. But I talk about David and his repentance and how God forgave him of his sin with Uriah and Bathsheba and how David performed the greatest act of repentance recorded in the Bible. Amen. He actually sets the benchmark, the benchmark for repentance. And if you want to learn about repentance, then study the life of David. Study the books of First and Second Samuel. Study the books, uh, the, uh, all the books in the Psalms. I mean, just really study David and you will understand repentance. And so, so the finished, so in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it reads, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the, the cost whether he hath sufficient to finish it. And that's what a contractor will do, a general contractor, before that general contact before that general contractor will build anything, that person will count the cost and make sure that he has all the means to complete that tower or whatever he's building. Even more so, God counted every cost. See, God is not a fool and God's not gonna be mocked. God knew the cost. He knew we would sin, so he had a contingency in place. He, he, he knows the end from the beginning. He counted the cost. And God the Father loves us so, so much, as we learn in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but receive eternal life. And God the Father offered his, his only Son, who became his only begotten Son. And the living word became Jesus, or, or Emmanuel, God with us, and, and he offered his own son to be the sin sacrifice for our sins. Amen. And so he, he paid, God the Father paid the ultimate price. And Christ Jesus paid the ultimate price by willing to be that, that spotless lamb and willing to be that sacrifice. Amen. So he counted the cost and, and he considers you worthy of the cost. Isn't that awesome that God loves us so much that he was willing to offer his only begotten son? And that and, and his I mean, he can, and you are worth it. and He loves you with a love that you cannot even begin to comprehend. I mean, we cannot imagine, we cannot even comprehend the depth of God's love for each and every one of us. So let's talk about the finished work. And let's look at Genesis chapter two, verses one through four. And it reads, thus the heavens and, and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh 
day from all his work which he had done. So God, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. And you see, we see the creation is complete. We see the work is finished. We see the finished work. And these seven, there are seven days in the creation. And I, I talk about the seven days individually. I'm not in, a, in, in my book called The Final Countdown. Um, I, I, I talk about the seven days of creation in detail, and I talk about what's created on each day of, of, of creation, and, and I also talk about the seven days of creation, and there's, you know, there are many different opinions on how the creation took place. There is one opinion that each of the seven days of creation are 24-hour periods of time. And 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 that's that, that that's one opinion. Another opinion is that every day in the creation is is spans a different period of time. For example, day one could be billions of years, uh, uh, and then e e each day is is a different duration of time. And 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 so that, that that's one thing I talk about. And I also talk about Einstein's theory of relativity. I don't know why we call it a theory because. Um, it, you know the theory of relativity is actually a proven fact and and one thing we learn about the equation e equals mc squared in einstein's in einstein's theory of relativity is that time is relative and and what i want to point out here is without getting too much into the theory is that the seven days of creation it it depends on what perspective you're speaking from that time is perceived differently. For example, if a, if if you were to have twins and one of your one of your twin children w uh, was sent to Jupiter and another one stays here, over a period of time, each child would appear to age at a different rate because time is relative to wherever an individual is. And so, what I want to share here here is from God's perspective, from the point of God's saying, "Let there be light." The creation, from God's perspective, each day is probably each seven days of 24 hours each. But from our perspective, each day is a different duration. So, you know, the first several days, you know, the first few days could be billions and billions of years, and the sixth day and the seventh day can be much shorter. But I don't want to, I don't want to speak about the physical tonight. I want to speak more at the level of the spiritual. But in the book, The Final Countdown, I talk more about the physical. So let's talk about the spiritual for a moment. And we see the completion of the heavens and the earth, as we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And what I want to focus on right now is the finished work. And you are, and I want to talk about finished work. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 39, verses 32. Exodus 39, verse 32. And it reads, Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel had done according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So had they done. So we see, what do we see here? We, we see the completion of the tabernacle. We see God's completed work, and we see the people of Israel accomplishing and finishing all that God commanded them to do through the, through Moses. And then look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 24. As Moses completes the book of Deuteronomy, his final book, and he says in Devarim, as we say in Hebrew, Devarim 31, 24, 
when Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end. We see completion here, don't we? In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we see a completion. We see a finished work. And in Exodus 39, verse 32, we see the finishing of the tabernacle. And in Deuteronomy 31, 24, we see the finishing of the five books of Moses, the, the books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In Hebrew, the books are called Barishat, Shemot, Vayikra, Vayikra, Bamidbar, and Devarim. And so we see the finished work of the books of Moses. And then the final finishing I want you to see is in John chapter 19, verse 30. And this is Jesus speaking as he's agonizing upon the cross. And he says, when Jesus had, and the scripture reads, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So what do we see here? We see three, we see four completions. We see the completion of the creation. We see the completion of the tabernacle. We see the completion of the Torah. And we see the finished work of Christ Jesus upon the cross at Calvary. And again, as we're speaking about the finished, let me ask you all a question. What is the definition of the word finished? And again, I ask you to, to type in the chat there on, on what finished means to you. So I'll give you some several opinions here. The first one is, is entirely done. Number two, brought into a completed state. Number three, reviewing a finished manuscript. Number four, a finished job. Number five, provided with a finish, having a final treatment or coating on the surface. That could be adding a varnish or a stain to, uh, to, to, to furniture. Uh, number six, a shop that tells uh, a shop that sells finished oak furniture. Number seven, a finished wood flooring. Number eight, marked by the highest quality. Number nine, finished workmanship. And I want you to say that God has done all these things. All that God has done and all that God does is to bring everything to a finished state, to a completed state to a state of being entirely done, a finished job, a finished manuscript. And I'm telling you, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And God is doing a work of completion inside of each and every one of us. And even within the physical creation, when we look at the stars, we look into the heavens, we see the stars, we see the planets, we see the galaxies. We see the nebula, we see, you know, we see every part of creation, we see the earth, we see nature, we see plant life, we see animal life, we see the sea creatures, everything that's within the sea, everything that God created has been brought to a finished state. But there's something about the creation of man. You know, after every creation, God says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. But when you look about the creation of man, we don't read, and it was good. And, and look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Genesis 5, 1 reads, This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created Adam, he made him in the likeness of God. And, what you, and you don't see here that it was finished. You don't read here that it was good. With all the other parts of creation, God calls it good. Because everything, that, everything else that was created was in its finished state. Even when God created the angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, um, the angel of the Lord, every species of angel that God created was in its completed state. For example, 
a seraphim is always a seraphim in, in, in it's, it's in its completed state and it's at its highest level of spiritual development. It doesn't grow beyond the level that it was created at. So, so it, it never changes. It's at its perfect state. You know, a, a, a dog cannot decide one day it's going to become a wolf. It's, it's always a dog. It doesn't change because that's the way God created each of the creatures in the animal kingdom. It doesn't change. But when God created man, he doesn't say it was finished. He doesn't say it was good because man, man is not a finished work. I want you to look at your neighbor, and if there's some anyone around you that's watching with you, and again, I would invite all of you to invite others to join, you know, join us tonight and to watch this broadcast live. But I would like to invite you to tell somebody, or just type in the chat here, that you that you you are a work in progress. Amen. And that's true. Every one of us is a work in progress. We are a work in progress. What does that mean? That means that you are never at, at a finished state. It, it never ends. And I got to tell you, in, in, in my own personal life, one thing that drives uh, sometimes drives my, my wife a little bit crazy is no matter what I'm doing, it's, I'm always changing things. I'm always like, especially the work I do with computers and stuff I do with technology, it's like I'm always changing things. I don't like, I don't never leave anything in its finished state. I'm always doing something else to it. And, um, I'm, uh, you know, I always want to make something a, a little bit better. It's just like I don't just finish something and leave it. I'm, I'm always kind of, uh, you know, always making modifications to it. And and, I, and that's kind of how I think of God at times, that God, not, when he deals with us, that we're never in a finished state. You know, you know, I may come into a new glory in this biblical year of 5782. On Rosh Hashanah, just a few weeks ago, we entered into the new year. On the first day of the seventh month, the, the first day of Tishri, on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the biblical year incremented from 5781 to the year 5782. So it has been 5,782 years since the creation of Adam and Eve. Because the creation of mankind took place in Rosh Hashanah. And in fact, the creation of the heavens and the earth also took place on Rosh Hashanah as well. So when it comes to each and every one of you, that we we never really become a finished work, but we're a, a we are a work in progress. So, but we are a finished work in the sense of that wherever God wants to bring you into, in, into your into your calling in in Christ Jesus, that He may bring you into a certain calling. So He so He'll bring you to a a finished state for a job that He has for you to do, but it doesn't end there. And and God will continue working with us through the testings of life, through suffering, through you know, through character refinement, through spiritual development, and and God and God God will refine you some more, so you will become into another finished work. But you but you never say you never stay stagnant. You're always changing. You're always you're always moving. You, you never stay in the same place that you were before. Amen. And the scripture I want to use to validate this point is Second Corinthians chapter three verse 18 and it reads and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the lord are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit so the spirit of the lord is working within each and every one of us and we are we are going from one glory to the next glory and 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 if we had a if we had a spiritual mirror where we could see our spiritual reflection, and we actually can see our spiritual reflection when we open up God's Bible, when we open up the Bible and look into it, into the Word, the Spirit of God will show us where we are 
in our refinement at this very instant. But we don't stay there, and we, sh we should be growing in, in God. We should be growing in our character. We should be more maturing in our spirits, and we should we should be ready, uh, you know, for the next level of development. And because we're, we never stay stagnant, and that's one of the beauties in the creation of mankind. Speaking about both male and female creation, that we are created in God's image, and in in as we are in God's image, that we are always growing. We we have we have with free choice, with the free will He's given us, we have the ability and the grace to ascend to infinite heights, to where we can keep growing in God's glory. That that does not mean that we become gods. We will never become become gods. Those that teach that doctrine are teaching false doctrine. We will never become gods. But what we do become is that we we, we just become more mature in the realm of the spirit in the species of creation known as mankind. So through our free will and through our submit, submitting to God's grace and through a, a, a applying the blood of Jesus over our lives and through the help of the Holy Spirit, we, we can continue to ascend and into in, in higher levels of finishing. And through our free will, we have the ability to, to descend to infinite lows. And God has given us a free will. We can choose heaven. We can choose hell. We can choose to receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, or we can choose to reject him. And, and so because so, he's given us a free choice, he's given us free will. And I just praise God that you have chosen to follow him and you've chosen to embrace him. Amen. So we are going from glory to glory. And even through the life of David, David went from one glory to the next glory. And David just kept growing and growing and growing in God. And each and every one of you is growing in God. And I just encourage you to receive this word, receive this word, appropriate this word, appropriate God's grace in your life. And when you when you do fall, and we all do fall from time to time, um, it, you know, we, we have the grace, we have the gift that God's given us, and that's the gift of repentance. And let's quickly repent. Let's complete, let's make a complete 180 degree turnaround and return to him. The next thing I want to share, the next point I want to bring out here is about the Torah. The Torah is not just a rule book. You know, and, and that's really the mindset that many of us have about the Bible. We think of the Bible as just a boring book that's filled with nothing but rules. Thou shalt do, thou shalt not. And if that's your if that's your philosophy of the Bible, you, you're really going to miss out. And you're going to see God as just being this cruel person that doesn't want you to have fun. And, and let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And remember when I shared about the, 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 the Bet Rishi, the two first? The first verse was that God created for the sake of his word. And the word Torah can all, means instruction. And that could lead us to believe that the Torah is just, not, is just a rule book. But what I want you to know is that the Word of God is not just a rule book. Of course, it is a rule book. It gives us parameters for living. I mean, how many of you would, would raise your children with no rules whatsoever? You're going to tell your kids you can lie as much as you want. You can cheat as much as you want. You can skip school as much as you want. You can drink as much as you want. You can do whatever you want as much as you want to do it. And you don't have to obey me. And, of course, none of you would, would, would ever do that. And God would not do that either. So when God created the creation, he provided the creation with a rule book, which is his holy word from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation 22, verse 21. The entire Bible is his rule book, but it's not just a rule book. 
It's not just a list of things that you shall do and the things of what you cannot do. Amen? The, the, the Torah is God's blueprint for creation. In our guide for, for realizing our purpose, our potential in the creation is through his word. I mean, everything that you need for living, everything for raising your children, everything concerning your careers, everything for dealing with everything is found in God's word. You know, if you're struggling with sickness, if you're struggling with any type of spiritual or emotional bondage, if you're being attacked by the enemy, if you're struggling in your relationships, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling raising your children and keeping them on the right path, if you're if you're if you're a teacher and you're struggling with your students and not even just struggling, but you want you need direction and everything that you need is found in God's word. And for those of you that are that are students and those of you that are seeking God for direction in your careers and in your future businesses, the answer to those questions is found in God's word because the blueprint for everything is in God's word. If if God in his in in his humility could use his Torah to create everything Shouldn't we be looking into his Torah as well to, to find out what the parameters are for our calling in Christ Jesus? Amen. And so every creature, object, element, every force, every phenomena, every, uh, everything w- w- was created with God's purpose in mind. And, it, and, and the, 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 the parameters for every creation, the blueprint for every creation is found in God's word. And so our mission in life should be to conquer all that God has for us. And and when I say conquer, that means that we conquer every evil inclination, that every desire that, that does not please God, we want to bring into subjugate, subjection to the spirit of God. You know, I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but I know I've, I, I was born with many flaws. And if you look at the life of David, David was born um, it, ruddy in color, reddish in color, which is really just an idiom that he was easily angered. And Esau, the brother of, of Jacob, was born with, with the same tendency to, to be easily angered and had a tendency to become a murderer. And actually, he, Esau did become a murderer. So, and, and so but everyone that we read about in the Bible was born or even conceived with, with tendencies that could be good or, or bad. And one of the things in our life that we should choose through his word and through the help of the Holy Spirit is that we, that we choose to conquer the lands. Just as Israel, through the leadership of Joshua, conquered the seven Canaanite nations in the book of Joshua, we are called to conquer everything in our character that does not please God. For example, if you have the tendency to be prayerless, that you don't, you, I mean, just spending time with God is just something that you just you just don't want to do. Your flesh just fights it. Well, guess what? You, you're, the land that you need to conquer is prayerlessness. For others of us, maybe 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 you struggle with any type of sin. It could be gossip, whatever it may be. Um, it could even be you know it could, it could be any form of sin that you may struggle with. And our goal, your goal, our goal should be to conquer the, the, those tendencies to sin. And there's a concept that that was taught by Moses and also emphasized by Jesus. And that concept is known as to build a fence around the Torah. I'm not going to teach about that tonight, but I will teach about it more in future teachings. But building a fence around the Torah is really a Hebrew concept for really building parameters in in your life to prevent you from sinning. If you remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he, 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 he says, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. 
And then he says, but if any of you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So what, so Jesus' definition of adultery is even is even deeper. For, uh, for, for those that it was said that, any, that uh, you know, adultery is just the actual act of adultery, the physical act of adultery. But Jesus takes it a step further and says that even having the thought of it is adultery as well. And what Jesus is teaching here is to build a fence around the Torah. So in order to prevent you from falling into any type of sin, you build a fence, you build parameters in your own life that will keep you from, from sinning. And I believe, I believe Deuteronomy 22 talks about building a fence around the house. And, and that fence around the house is really a teaching about building a fence in your own life that you're going to build parameters that will prevent you from falling into any type of sin. For example, if you have the tendency to gossip when you, uh, you when, when you speak to people, well, you need to build uh, fences in your own conversation to prevent your conversation from going to, into those places. And, 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 you know, just use your imagination here. This applies to every area of our lives. It's like, what do you need to do to prevent yourself from falling into sin. And the best way you can do this is by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are not going to give in to the temptations of the flesh. You know, I've read about a man of God that he was told by the Holy Spirit when he was in Amsterdam not to go in a certain direction. And he disobeyed the Holy Spirit and he went in the direction which was, which was against God's will. And he saw some stuff in a window that caused him to fall into, hor into horrifying sin. And it really brought about his destruction. And so I encourage all of you in your own lives as well is that you, you follow the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that your eyes will not look at things that you should not look at, that you will not read material that you should not read. You should not look at even websites and social posts or, or anything that's going to cause you to fall into sin. But you really just build up those walls really high that you do not fall into sin and even when you talk to each other that you build parameters in, in your in your conversations that will keep you from taking the conversation into a way it should not go and that it may not fall in that it may not just turn into a, a gossip type conversation that it will not turn into anything that will not bear any fruit and of course we're, we're all going to fall from time to time i'm not giving you this teaching to bring anybody under condemnation we all struggle with sin we all fall short of god's grace but what I want you to do is to recognize these these behavior, recognize these tendencies, and take baby steps every single day to 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 to, to improve and draw closer to God, Amen. And and and, as, and every one of you n knows where you're struggling and know that the Spirit of God's going to help you and He's going to cleanse you and He's going to perfect you. And I just I just and I, I pray that this teaching is blessing you because I'm not here just to give you information. I'm, I'm here to teach you how to live, and not, I'm not only teaching you, I'm learning as well, because we are all in this journey together. And our mission in life should be to conquer our evil inclination. The Hebrew words for evil inclination is yetzer hara, and we want to overcome our evil inclination. And so how do we serve God? Because the Torah teaches us to serve him. The first way we, we learn how to serve him is by fulfilling the commandments or the mitzvot of the Torah. And there are many Christians who will say that I'm not under the law. I don't need to fulfill the commandments. And there's a, there's, there's a tremendous error in, in, in that teaching, and it causes many people, people to have a, a ticket or a license to, to perform any act whatsoever they choose. And, you know, 
It's true that we are not under the 613 commandments of Moses. God gave the Jewish people in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 through the very last verse of Deuteronomy, God gave the Jewish people 613 commandments. But not all those commandments apply to every Jew. Some of those commandments only apply to the men. Some commandments only apply to the women. Some only apply to children. Some only apply to parents. Some commandments only apply to the, to the priests. Some only apply to the Levites, and um, and and you know there there there's and so all the commands all the commandments for living are found in the six hundred thirteen, and within the six hundred four within the six hundred thirteen commandments there are uh, three hundred and sixty five ne negative commandments, and the remainder of the commandments are positive commandments. Positive commandments are thou shall do. And the negative ones are thou shalt not do. And at Mount Sinai, God gave the Israelites 10 commandments, but also within those 10 commandments are the 613 commandments. But for, but for those of us that are on the line, including myself, the Gentile believers, those that are grafted into the vine through Christ Jesus, we are not under 613 commandments. We are under the seven Noahide laws. And I'll talk about, I'll, most likely, I'll talk about the seven Noahide laws next Thursday evening in Parsha no Noah the, uh, for, for next Thursday. So we serve God through his commandments. So for example, the commandment not to commit adultery, it's part of the Ten Commandments, it's part of the 613, and it's also part of the seven Noahide laws. So regardless of, of where you are, you know, whether Jew or not, you are under the seven, you are under the commandment not to commit adultery. Amen. So you, none of us are given a license to sin. We, we, we all have parameters for living. God has given his commandments and we can choose to obey them or, or, or not obey them. And Sister Thelma, thank you so much for, the, for posting that. So I just saw your post there. 248, commandment, uh, 248 positive and 365 negative commandments. And there, according to the rabbis, there are also 248 organs in the body. Uh, and so, so, but, so, so the, the, there are positive and there are negative. And the Torah provides instructions for every part of life, including the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we do business, the way we interact, the way that we perform every transaction, and that how we do things honestly, and, and how we relate with God, how, how we pray, how we raise our kids, everything that we need for living, uh, even in the way we deal with politics, and everything is in God's word, amen? And in the Ethics of the Fathers, this is in the Oral Torah, in Ethics of the Fathers 2.12, it reads, Ethics yeah, 2.12 read, all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. And Jesus says, in, in, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And everything that we do in life should be for the sake of heaven. Amen. And we are establishing God's kingdom here on earth. There's nothing that we should do just for the sake of doing it. We should, and there's nothing in life that should be happenstance. Nothing should be coincidence. Everything should be through divine providence. And everything should be for the sake of establishing God's kingdom here on earth. And I encourage all of you to live your life for God's glory, to glorify him. For Because every one of you has a high calling on this earth. God has called you for such a time as this. And just let everything you do be to fulfill to fit, fulfill your calling in this lifetime and to fill the world with holiness, to fill the world with godliness. 
And that's what we celebrated and what we experienced in, the, in, this, in this feast of Sukkot, the seven-day feast of tabernacles, and where many Jews will, would dwell in booths and flimsy structures over these seven days. And these flimsy structures with the Jew dwelling in the flimsy structure represents the Israelites dwelling in booths in, for 40 years in the wilderness and dwelling in God's presence. And the, 40, the, the, the sukkah represents the Israelites being surrounded by the seven clouds of God's glory with protection all around them and being led by the Spirit of God in the wilderness, and that our lives should be infused with His glory and His light. And that takes us to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And it reads, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And so the very first thing created, and I, and I don't want to say it was created, I want to say that it was revealed into the creation. Because the light is something that was not created. It existed even before the creation came into being. And th this, this light is, is something that was hidden that was revealed into the creation. And what is that light? See, we, we don't see the creation of the sun and the moon. We don't see those, these, uh, th these luminaries introduced until later in the creation. So what is this light that we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where God says, let there be light? And I'll give you a, a couple of scriptures to explain this. John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. And it reads, He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. And what we see here is from, from the testimony of John the Baptist in John chapter 1, starting in verse 7, we see that John is speaking about the light, and he, and he came to bear witness of the light, the true light. And he says that the light was in the world, but the world did not recognize the light. And exactly as Rebetz and Annie just said, Jesus is the light. And that light, so when you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, what we see here is... God the Father is saying, let there be Jesus. Let there be the Word. And Jesus was the first thing. He was the first, he was the second person of the Holy Trinity revealed in the creation. And Jesus is the light of the world. But you know what? The world did not recognize him. Just as in John chapter 1, the world did not receive him. In Genesis chapter 1, we see we see Jesus being revealed, and we see Jesus doing the creating. We see him being the light of the world. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how Abraham reintroduced monotheism into the creation and he bore witness of the light. But we see very early on in, in, in the descendants of in the creation of mankind and as the descendants came about, idol, idolatry came very quickly and it, it was introduced very quickly into the history of mankind, and they quickly rejected God. And it wasn't until the days of Abram that people began calling upon the name of God again. And so, and so we are all being called to the light, the glorious light, and Jesus is the light of the world. And John the Baptist bore witness of the light. And, and the Torah is God's living word. You know, I speak about Jesus, and actually, um, I speak about Jesus as the word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
and we see the word the word is with a capital W speaking about and that word word can be replaced with the word instruction it can be replaced with the, with the word Torah and I want I want to present to you that Jesus is the living Torah Jesus is the living Torah and Jesus is the light the glorious light that was introduced in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 and let's talk about the word of God for a moment for those of you that have been sitting on the teachings of Dr. Michelle Corral you've been hearing this concept over the last few weeks and I just want to emphasize it for those of you that haven't heard this before about the word of God and the concept of the word of God as we see in John chapter one is not a, you know, we often think of it as a, only a New Testament concept, but it is a rabbinic concept. And it's a concept that goes way back in, 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 in Jewish commentaries. And the word of God is a Jewish concept. And I'm gonna teach you a moment from what we call the Targums. Can you all say Targums? And the, the Targums are the, the Aramaic translation of the Hebrew scriptures. But they're not only a translation, they don't just provide a translation, they also provide us with an interpretation, and often they provide us with a prophetic interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures. And so the Jerusalem Targum on Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says, because it says, they heard the voice of the word of the Lord God walking in the garden. So the word of the Lord is not the first time, it's not the first time we see it is not in John 1, 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We also see in Genesis 3, 8 in the Targums where it reads, they heard the voice of the word of the Lord God walking in the garden. And what I want to present to you here through the Aramaic translation of, of Genesis 3, 8 is that Jesus was the one that was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. So the word of the Lord is present in the Targums. In Genesis 1, 27, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And if you look at one of the Targums, the, uh, the, one of the Targums reads, and again, this is the Aramaic interpretation, read of Genesis 1.27 says, And the word of the Lord God, I'm sorry, the word of the Lord created man in his likeness. In the likeness of the presence of the Lord, he created he him. The male and his yoke fellow, he created them. See, we see the word of the Lord creating. Jesus, we see Jesus creating. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 for a moment. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now let's look at a Targum for the scripture. The Targum reads, And a garden from the Eden of the just was planted by the word of the Lord God before the creation of the world. And he made them to dwell, the man whom he had created him. So we see the word of the Lord planting Adam and Eve in the garden. We see the word, we see the word of the Lord. Amen. And, and I pray that this gets you excited because we see Jesus in this pre-incarnate state before he was conceived within the womb of the Virgin Mary, that we see Jesus, the word of God, involved in the creation. We see the word of God walking in the garden. We see the word of God present. Amen. And so I just I as I'm teaching you, and as my philosophy of teaching is that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, are the foundation of, of all the scriptures, all the way to Genesis, I'm sorry, all the way to Revelation 20, 22, 21, is that Jesus is present throughout the entire Torah. 
And through this word, I'm praying that you are going to become more and more like Jesus, becoming more and more like God. And that he, and I want you to be so open to every work that he wants to do in you. And I'm just, I think I'm about out of time, but I just want to share one thing with you. Um, according, there were 10 things that were created on the first day of creation. The heavens, the earth, formlessness, void, light, darkness, well, light was actually revealed. Darkness, wind, water, the measure of the day and the measure of light. These 10 things were created during the first day of creation. And your mission in life should be fit, is, is to be filled, that your entire life will be filled with the knowledge of God. And, and, that, and, and God has created you in his image, in his likeness, and he's called you to draw closer to him through his Torah. And the purpose in this creation is that you become more and more intimate with him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the spiritual meaning here is that two creations took place. First was the creation of the heavens, and that, that involves your spiritual creation. And we also see the creation of the earth, and that has to do with our physical creation. And God is doing a work in each and every one of us. Our spiritual creation is, is, is an ongoing work. And then our physical creation will be completed at the rapture when we are caught up to meet Christ Jesus in the sky. 